Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. Get ready to hear stories of someone brave enough to bear it all. Let's get naked. Welcome to the Naked Podcaster. It's Jen Taylor today I'm with Brian Ross. I am really thrilled to have you on today, Brian. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks, Jen. I really appreciate that. Your Love website. You. Oh, I'm so glad. Your website is consciouscontent.org. Correct. And it's the Conscious Content Collective. I'm trying not to stumble over the words. <laughs> Sorry. So consciouscontent.org um, is huge and it encompasses a lot. So jump in and start talking about this and yeah. who you are in this. Okay. Well, Conscious Content Collective is, is really our, our name. Um, consciouscontent.org is our website. Uh, and, and we've trademarked the Conscious Content uh, Collective. And collective means it's not just myself. It's not just Kim and I. It's a collective of all of, um, the various experts and people that have been through things and, and add to this. And uh, so it's always been that since the uh, time that Kim and I co-founded it about three and a half, four years ago. Um, but uh, Conscious Content is a media company and we have um, some really big goals and we are achieving those currently. Uh, and it's a lot of work, but our, essentially what our, mes our message is and our mission is, is that uh, we bring awareness and education to, uh, through the creation of what we call remarkable documentaries and now books and workbooks to most of humanity. And that's a really big freaking number. So that is the collective because we know we can't do that on our own. It takes, it takes uh, a whole army of people that uh, are on the same page as us that want to just bring awareness, want to bring change to look around the world and say, this world's kind of fucked up. And, um, you know, that's really how this started. If you don't mind, I'll, I'll tell you. What yeah. Because my background isn't media and neither is Kim's. You know, her background is, is corporate. She was in corporate for a long time and I'm an entrepreneur. I've, uh, Conscious Content is my, believe it or not, my fifth company that I've um, either started or co-founded. So we don't come from the world of making films. And I think that's the beauty, beauty of this because it makes us dangerous. We don't know what the hell we can't do, right? So we are pushing the limits and saying why, or could you do this? Or wouldn't this be amazing? But uh, generally, generally speaking, how this got started is that, um, you know, Kim had this traumatic, uh, it, thing happened to her. She was on your podcast several months back. People um, remember Kimberly Resch's uh, ordeal when she was young. And uh, I don't, I'm not going to get into that, but it was tragic for anyone at any age. And uh, at some point, she had drawn a line in the sand, similarly <laughs> to I, but 2,000 miles away, saying, you know, enough is enough. I need, I'm going to change my life. And that's what I was doing too. I was in the process of really figuring out my life. My, my older brother passed away uh, and I, my boxer, my best friend who was only four years old, Max, he, my boxer dog passed away unexpectedly. And I just drew a line in the sand and said, you know what, life is short and I'm in a terrible marriage. My wife has bipolar disorder. We've been working to try to, you know, get this relationship on track for years mostly for the kids. Yeah, everybody's heard that story. I'm going to stick around for the kids. And that was me. And, uh, you know, now that um, we've gone through that, I'm now divorced and my, my daughters live with me primarily. I realized that 
I probably did it too late um, because there was a lot of damage that can be done in those in those bad years, right? So anyways, to jump back into this, uh, you know, Kim and I met through another business, just became friends and uh, still are the best of friends, to be honest with you. And she was telling me about this uh, idea she had to start this, um, this documentary called Light in the Darkness. And um, I don't even think it had a name yet, but it's about PTSD. And she was like, I think I got PTSD. You know, we talked hours and hours about different business things in life. And I told her about all my problems and, you know, goals and aspirations and stuff. And, and uh, you know, she, she said that, um, so I've got this film uh, group called Shaman Motion Pictures. You know, they used to do, um, they used to do uh, weddings, but they're phenomenal, right? And I'd love for you to meet them and da 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 I didn't see it coming because I'm just her friend. And I am giving her some advice about some business and things because I've started and ran a lot of businesses. And, uh, but just as a friend, right? Well, I end up having to go to New York um, during the winter time uh, a few years back and Shaman happens to be there filming one of the chapters of the book. And she lets them know I'm coming. They already knew who I was. I met them and I'm totally dressed up. I am dressed up like the financial advisor that I, that I was, right? And I am, I guess I'm, I'm licensed in like 13 states. But anyways, I'm in a pair of slacks, dress shoes to the nine, right? And I've got a tr like a trench coat because it's fucking freezing outside and I'm from Florida. And I walk into Starbucks across from where I'm staying and here's these four guys and they're in their mid twenties to early thirties, just dressed totally chill. And, uh, and I look totally different than what they expected probably, or I don't know what Kim told them, but we sat down and we started having this conversation, you know, and I, I just, I took my jacket off and I started to feel them out. And this is kind of what I, I do. I get to know people and kind of what my gift is. And, um, but we started talking about everything except business. We started talking about uh, life and their background and my background and what I did. And, you know, so this is what probably sealed the deal with Shaman and Brian is that I didn't really care because um, I cared, but I didn't care what people thought because recently I had just done a plant medicine called ayahuasca, which is... Okay probably the most powerful plant medicine known to man. And uh, it was performed, performed by a shaman. And I went through the story about how much clarity I got, that I literally was um, seeing my entire life for what it was and what my purpose was. And I could ask questions and it was so deep. It was an incredible experience. I'm not recommending people go out and, and try this because it's so powerful that you have to be in a group. You have to have a shaman. You have to know what the hell you're doing or you, I don't know, no one's ever died from this shit, but it is powerful and it'll turn you inside out before it lets you back out, right? right. So in telling in these, these stories, they're like looking through this guy in a suit <laughs> talking about ayahuasca, probably marijuana use when I was younger and you know, and I wasn't like I was just trying to connect with them. I could feel that that's kind of the vibe they were at anyways. Mm -hmm. And they make films. And uh, anyways, I gave them a hug, had to go back to, to what I was there for. And then I got invited uh, to Denver uh, or part of Colorado. I'm not sure if the first one was Denver, but um, ended up going to Colorado, 
um, and, and got to sit in with Shaman and Kim as they're interviewing um, the Seahorns that are part of Light in the Darkness. And I saw that storytelling process and I met them and had these deep, <clears throat> excuse me, deep conversations. And I was like, wow, this is, you ever had a situation, Jen, where you're doing something, you're like, holy shit, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah, and sometimes it's, I mean, for you, other than the fact that you'd had the ayahuasca plant medicine situation, like, <laughs> I'm not picturing you as being, you know, the, I'm picturing you more type A and not like, this was not your environment that you were com comfortable, familiar with. And the company was brand new at this point, or did you guys actually start it together? So she we had started, started you, she you hadn't did. started it yet. Okay. They, what they were doing is they were just putting together a documentary and it was Got called it. Light in the Darkness, but there was no company or anything like that. And uh, Kim and I decided a, a few months later after um, I'd been out to three or four locations, I was in Dallas and I was in, uh, I think, Atlanta at one point, but uh, I think the first time the guys sent me some of the, the, the film footage that was already being um, post-edited, I started to see the power in film. And, you know, I'm, I've always wanted to teach and, and, and have more purpose in, in my businesses in my life. And I, I was doing that with financial advising, but I just, it wasn't really made for me, to be honest with you. Um, too much regulation, but um, when I saw that, Jen, I said, oh my God, Kim, this is so powerful to tell a story. If there's so much media out there, there's so much noise, people are creating all this and it's amazing what YouTube has done and there's a place for pretty much everybody out there, but I just don't think, at the time, I didn't think there was just that much mindful media or mm. conscious content. And all of a sudden this light went off in our head like, well, let, maybe we should create conscious content. Maybe it's not just about light in the darkness. Maybe it's about these issues. So I think often a lot of people look around at their life, especially right now and go, this doesn't seem right. Like right is wrong, wrong is right. What's up is down. I mean, it, are we in a dream? Uh, what can we do about it? And it's a big task. So Kim and I were like, what could we do about it? Because I can't just go out and you know, I want to do something to change the world. I mean, I'm at that age now where it wasn't necessarily about money. It was more about purpose, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, and doing something that my kids would, um, would really, um, you know, I like to lead by example, you know? Um, so, <clears throat> um, so we decide to start conscious content. And the next thing you know, we're sitting down with the guys brainstorming about issues that we or find in the world that maybe we, we could bring awareness to. So the whole goal was we're gonna bring awareness and education and then do this at such a level, such a remarkable level that people will be so intrigued emotionally by our films that they will be called to action. So I happen to believe there's people all over the world that have these skill sets, right? And they're watching this world and these various issues and uh, they don't know how to um, or, or maybe they're t they feel like they're too busy, but they don't know how to fix it. The goal is when they watch our films that they get so emotionally inspired that either they share it with someone else that they know that will benefit, or eventually those people that do have the ability will start to pick up um, from, where we're, we're, what, from where we're at and take this on. You know, whether it's about mental health, mental illness, PTSD, bringing awareness and education about that, 
which is Light in the Darkness, or some of our other films like A Rescue Story. This is going to be the funnest, most emotional film. We already saw the first um, rough cut and we were crying and laughing through the whole thing, but it's about the rescue story. It's about our companion uh, pets and, and the issue with no-kill shelters and creating awareness about that and creating and bringing solutions uh, because this can be something that can be resolved to, you know, we've got everything from tethered, which is about all the screen time that our kids and ourselves are, are being sucked into our cell phones and, and away from, you know, you know, it's so weird me saying this now because the world flipped upside down like five weeks ago, right? Now yeah. we need to be six feet apart or we're sequestered home. But the goal is that we connect because I think that's what brings, um, that's what brings us joy, that what brings us um, uh, purpose. And uh, so we've got six films uh, in our pipeline. We've got one that's, that's launching. It was, we, were, we were already planning to do a 700 theater um, uh, rollout. Uh, and then we had to pivot because of uh, this COVID-19 yeah. or lockdown situation, whichever you want to call it. But um, and so we're pivoting. We've got a great team. Uh, we've got a social media team now on board. We are now working uh, with a, a publisher, Daily House. One of the ways that I met you, I met you actually through Kim, nice. uh, but uh, you're help working with us on that. So Come June 15th, we're going to be releasing Light in the Darkness, our film, and uh, we're going to be pre-releasing the book, Light in the Darkness, hashtag lifting the stigma, or lift the stigma, I think it is. So, lift the stigma. Pretty pumped. Pretty yeah, pumped. and I knew you had five films. So you went from like meeting this lady and being friends to <laughs> your whole life flipped around completely. That's true. Yeah, in a really Sometimes great way. It just happens. You know, yep. I believe that if you get involved with something wholeheartedly, sometimes you have you don't even realize how much is happening until you take a look around when you get a pause. And we've done that um, more than one time. And, and uh, you know, more so now because we've had, you know, you know my story and we'll probably get into it. I've mm -hmm. had a lot of success. I've been humbled multiple times in my life. So things come out of left field for people in life and they sure have for myself and they sure have for my, uh, my best friend and my partner, uh, Kimberly um, Resch. Uh, so right now we're, we're dealing with probably one of the most difficult things a family could deal with. We are very blessed within, we're part of um, a life coach of mine said, I'm, I'm, I'm a member of, of the club. No one wants to be a member, uh, you know, and that's uh, when you lose a, a family member. So yeah, we, we're very lucky within that club that no one wants to be a part of to be working on things that are so purpose driven. And we're writing and, and talking about and filming about how do you get through these things in the best way possible. So you so you can come out the other side where there's light on the other side. So we do feel super blessed at the same time as we're going through our own traumas. So, And we're, yeah. we're recording this in the middle of, well, I mean, I don't know if it's the middle of, but during 
coronavirus and COVID-19 and quarantine. And so definitely June 2020 looked all full of hope and open purpose right up until March hit. And then wow. Yeah. I like the word pivot a lot. I think we do that sort of a lot, a lot of people, we kind of pivot just without thinking about it. But you're right when you, I mean, your pivot was a little bigger from financial planner in a suit to conscious yeah. content was a massive pivot. So you were very aware of it. So I have mm -hmm. a question. When did the romance happen here? Romance? Who said there was romance? There's no romance, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, I got some flack from that because I actually went oh. through a divorce. And, uh, you know, uh, on Facebook, I actually ended up closing my initial, my original Facebook account because when I went through this breakup and it, it was a long, long time coming, um, uh, and my wife, she even wrote, my former wife, Sonia, even wrote a letter to me, basically writing out all the things that she did realize was, was wrong. And she apologized finally. And she had this moment of clarity. And I, I had told her because I knew how she was, you know, it, it wasn't bipolar disorder. It's multiple personality disorder is what she, she has a, a I would say a milder case of that, but I, I told her, I said, thank you for writing that, but just please be careful about, you know, sharing things that are more fictional to the world about this situation because, you know, our kids are getting older, they're teenagers, and um, if they find out that you're telling lies about the situation, it'll get back to them through the dance or through their friends or our friends, and um, and that's one of those things that's really, you know, respect of our children is really hard yeah. to get back once you lose it. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. she's having to work through that now. But um, yes, so yeah, I was blamed for leaving my wife for, for this beautiful girl, Kimberly. And that wasn't the case at all. Um, I am very blessed to have met Kim and uh, hope she feels the same way. But, you know, we were friends for a good three, three years, I guess. And um, we started the business together and working together and, uh, you know, and doing that, you spend a lot of time, and doing what we're doing is, it's pretty purposeful, right? We started to realize, wow, you know, there is somebody out there that I'm better suited to be with, and, and, and you know, so, but we both had children, and uh, we were really careful about that, and Kim is really, really good about um, uh, communication. Uh, she's had so much skills and uh, and she even taught emotional intelligence for a long time. So it was really great having her sort of show me how do you communicate with the kids through this process. And it was a slow process. And then ultimately, um, I think it was our kids that really started to fall in love with the idea, you know, um, because shit, up until June, I mean, ever since, ever since we started Conscious Content, it has been blessed. You know, what my point is, is that it's been hard. It's been a lot of work, but people have come out of the woodwork, the right experts, the right people at the right time. Our discernment levels are high enough to where we know how to keep our circle tight, you know, and we just don't have a lot of bad or any bad within our, our circle. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, God, Kim is really a, quite a, She's a sharp girl. She's she's uh, she knows what she wants and she goes after it. And it was really for an A personality like myself. I mean, I've I've owned my own business my whole life, so 
I'm like the boss all the time. That's my biggest problem, right? <laughs> and then she is too. And it's like, wow, how does that work? And right. then learning to do that, instead of me, you know, getting frustrated with it, I was like attracted to it. And I was like, wow, this is so amazing. Like we could start this project and we can share the responsibilities. In a lot of cases, she's better than I am and all these, in these care. And I used to do a lot of these things that she does better than me. So it was so amazing to see her grab that and run with it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how it really started, but it did start. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, wouldn't change a thing at this point. And, uh, you know, her and I have been through an awful lot together, you know, yeah. not just building the company. And now my, my daughters live with me primarily. They're both um, teenagers. You know, her son lives close by. He moved down from Wisconsin. He works for Conscious Content now. And he's become best friends with my oldest daughter. And, and there's a lot of that going back and forth. And uh, obviously, with the passing of Taylor, her youngest son, which is, is something that we still can't get our arms around. And, and I'm only now being able to really talk about it mm -hmm. and, uh, without getting so super emotional. Um, we just did a video, a State of the Union video that just got put up on our, um, we just started a Facebook group, Conscious Content uh, Facebook group, and I'll share, share those links um, towards the end of the show. But we're, that's where Kim and I are loading up all our raw material, like when her and I, whether we're here in the studio or outside or whatever, we're doing various um, film videos um, about a bunch of things. And then our team is is creating the films for us. So, um, but we, um, God, the last six weeks have been the hardest freaking six weeks of I've been through a lot of shit, Jen, mm -hmm. and to do what Kim and I did together with her son, and you know, that's just something, I don't know if I want to get into it, but to lose a son in front of us was, I don't know, I would have never wanted us to be joined that forever, but because of that, but man, we are, it's solidified, we've been through hell, and we're trying to come back, uh, and Thank God we have people like you and other people on our teams that, you know, we have to show up every day and and keep doing what we do. You know, we started this thing, Conscious Content, mm -hmm. and there's a lot to do, right? And there's a lot of people counting on us and a lot of people that were paying um, money to help us. So, gosh, it's it's been a blessing to have things to do every day. Um, it's just not every day we weren't able to work for a few days i tell you what and and when we did work it was off and on for sure but i gotta say this um you know i i love kim to death and and i don't you know i don't call her my girlfriend i call her like my um partner or my life mate or soulmate or you know soulmate is used all the time but you know she's a good person and uh, i'm very blessed to have her in my life so Let's jump back. Let's go back in your story because I know what happened this last six weeks has been super tough. So the timing of this recording mm -hmm. is apt. There's a lot going on. Um, yeah. Jump, jump back and tell me about growing up. Did you grow up in Florida? I did. I was born in Fort Lauderdale. Fort Lauderdale. My parents are from Canada. My two older brothers were from Canada. Dad moved moved us down here because uh, he couldn't handle the cold apparently. And uh, amen. You know. It's crazy. I don't, I don't know if 
a lot of your audience is like this, but I can't remember my early childhood. Um, you know, before the age of six, don't remember it. And I'm maybe it's good because my dad was pretty intense. He was a really intense guy. Um, I don't think he was super happy uh, once he moved down to Florida from Canada. They big family business and came down here and, and things weren't working out for him the way he wanted. And he seemed to unfortunately take it out on my brothers and I. And when I used to complain, my older brothers used to say, damn, Brian, we, we wore out dad before you came along. So if you think it was bad, you have no idea. So any, anyways, um, but that being said, I was, I did have a good work ethic. My dad always had me working and doing things. And I remember, um, you know, as a young kid, we moved up to Orlando area, Central Florida area. And, and um, to, when I, by the time I was 10, I had a lawn route. I was mowing the neighbor's lawns and I, I had a bunch of lawns and in the summer and the winter time, I was picking oranges and selling them to a, a local company. And uh, so, you know, I was making my own money when I was, you know, between, you know, while I was in school and that was my first taste of entrepreneurship. And uh, I still played with my friends and all that. I just happened to have money. Um, so that led on to, um, you know, my dad passed away when I was in high school, unfortunately. And I, you know, I kind of got off on the wrong track. I was pretty wild. I'm type A personality. And I was a little, you know, a little bit of a hellion. Um, and, uh, but my mom did something really cool. Um, you know, she worked all the time. She was in the insurance industry, so she wasn't around a lot, but she got me a bunch of tapes. And uh, for whatever reason, I resonated to them. They were Brian Tracy and, and uh, you know, Zig Ziglar and, mm -hmm. and all these people that were talking about, uh, and I'm bringing us back quite a ways. It was, they were tapes, right? Yeah. Not eight tracks, but they were tapes. <laughs> so, a little ways back. But I started listening to these things and I was resonating with them in my late teens. And I was listening, I remember listening to them like all the time. I'd listen to them before I went to bed. And these tapes were teaching me things like um, if I wanted something and if I created a, a plan for that and if I envisioned it in my mind, uh, it would eventually come to pass. Kind of like the book Secret, but with more work uh, involved. And uh, I basically convinced myself that I could do it. And by the time I was, um, hmm, I, well, let me jump ahead. I started my first real company at age 18. It was a landscape company because I didn't know how to do anything else, right? Um, I was in college, put myself through college with uh, this company, First Choice Landscape Management. I actually bought a company while I owned that company. I was, um, I think it was 19 or 20. I bought out another company. I met this guy and he was wanting to get out of the business to move back to California. And I bought his business, doubled the size of my company. And probably by the time I was 25, I was making, and back then this was a lot of money. And today it's probably a lot of money. I was making about $75,000 a year. And uh, I dropped out of college like a dumbass. But um, I dropped out of college because I had, I thought I'd taught myself that I didn't need a job. I could create a job. And all I was learning in school was how to work for somebody else, you know? So I sold that business and got into, um, I'm, I met a mentor along the way and uh, by the name of Paul Steyer, God rest his soul, he, he just passed away. But um, he lived in a 
really, really high end place called Sewell's Point, Sewell's Point in Stewart. And uh, he became my mentor. And uh, I was working as a pharmacy sales rep, first job. And uh, he talked me out of that and I uh, started working with him. He was a consultant for multiple companies. And um, he got me my first job in venture capital. And uh, I worked with a company down in Miami uh, off of Brickell Avenue on this private island. It was so crazy. You know, I drove down there, a small town kid, and I'm seeing Miami. I'm from Fort Lauderdale, but I moved there, moved away from there years ago. And it was Christmas time. I remember it was all done up. It was almost like New York. And uh, I couldn't believe it. And I actually was nervous. And it was the first time I realized that I'd been nervous in a situation like that. Because having my own business already, I'd already met a lot of adults and I was getting pretty good with working with my realtors and various clients and this was pretty big and um, anyways I got my chance to do this and and I I was handed a big box of, of files of people that had called into this company that wanted lots of money and my job was to call them and have them tell me why they should receive that money so as a young 20 something i'm calling these people up and i had everybody from i swear to god from the owners of airlines to um i, I remember this one film producer out in la uh I, to these russians that were bringing over monuments to all kinds of crazy things but they were pitching me and i was just this young kid on the other line and what it did is it it taught me that wow, anything's really possible. It built up my confidence, not necessarily my ego, but my confidence. And uh, we'd fly some of them in and, um, and I got a chance to meet them. And I had learned earlier on with Paul Steyer that in a situation like a meeting like that, to, um, to only talk when you know what you're talking about. And, and when you don't, you know, listen. And I was the youngest guy in the room. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I had to grow a goatee because I looked so young at the time. Uh, I had to grow a goatee and I've seen pictures of myself. The suits I had were lame. You know, they didn't really fit me, but I didn't know any better. But I'm sitting in, the, these, um, in these meetings with my boss and he was seasoned. And I saw how these things hap happen, these trans transactions go uh, back and forth. And I saw my boss try to scam these people. And I heard him on the phone trying to scam people. I heard the craziest shit, Jen. And I said, oh my God, is that what venture capital is about? Uh, and it is in a way, it's full of sharks. But as I started to look around and talk to some other people, I started to realize it doesn't have to be this way. It just happens to be happening in this space that I was at. So anyways, um, I got uh, introduced to another company out of Tampa and uh, I headed out of there. It was a tough, tough, he didn't want me to leave, but I got out of there and um, I started my first deal and I worked with another company and uh, um, eventually I made some money on that first deal. It was a telecommunications deal and I was kind of off to the races. I didn't have any kids. I wasn't married. And I told this uh, who would become my, my, my partner in the future. I said, hey, I'm going to start this company. You need to come with me. We're going to go raise some money. We're going to do it the right way because there's a lot of money. Uh, and there's good companies and you don't have to screw people just to make money, right? And uh, he wanted to, but he had three kids and da-da-da. So I started North Star Equity Partners myself. He eventually came on 
and through 2001, we, we really had a great time. We raised a lot of money and then we lost our ass in 2011 or 2001 in September 11th. Um, ah, market, okay. market crashed and, and that was my first, um, first time really just losing my ass and my partner told me I needed to have some really um, thick skin because uh, all these angel investors that we befriended and loved us because we were doing so well will soon turn on us and they did. So long story short, I left that, got into real estate, um, eventually got my act together again and built back up. I had a couple real estate offices and a mortgage company and we did really well um, up until 2008 in yeah. <laughs> Florida. And I, I, I often kid uh, Wednesday at three o'clock, uh, 2009, I guess, uh, the market turned off. And um, at that point I had four houses and I had two offices and I had 200 listings and no buyers and my lines of credit were getting called in even though I wasn't late and the shit hit the fan. And uh, sadly, um, over the next two years, I, I went through a really, really tough time. And I ended up, my attorney um, ended up convincing me my only way out of this was um, a bankruptcy. And that was probably the lowest point of my life. Um, it still makes me emotional, but <clears throat> it's, but, that's interesting that that's the lowest point. I want to, well, your dad passed away. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, cause I have bullet points of your story. Your dad had okay. passed away in high school. I don't know how that felt to you emotionally because I know that he, you said he was a very dominant figure. If I use that term on my father, that would be a massive understatement, but yeah. oh yeah. But when you have somebody that's that dominant, was it, was there relief in it? Was it tragic for you? Did you get closer to your mom and your brothers? What happened in that? And then tie in Nate and you, your accidents. Mm. Oh, I mean, yeah. like, wh that's why I'm like, okay, the bankruptcy, I, I can understand how that is definitely one of the lowest, but you've had some other stuff that's happened before that, that I think, well, that- I've had a ton of shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, that was the biggest one? Okay, like, that's, that's it's your story, but- so t tie in dad a little and then talk about okay. me and you and your accidents. Okay. Well, it is interesting about my dad because my dad was not only dominant, he was very reactive too. Mm -hmm. And that's a, it's a bad combination. And he was physical. Mm -hmm. um, so I did, um, you know, it's not my story, but part of, part of growing up with him was that um, I did get not only yelled at, but I got, you know, physically hit and things like that. So there was a time when I was a teenager prior to him passing away that, um, you know, there was part of me that we just wanted him out, you know? Yeah. And I, you know, unfortunately I think I even secretly wished he'd die, but I didn't know what that meant, you know? Right. Um, but when it did happen, it was, um, very unexpected. He, um, you know, he had a, a rare, I guess it's pretty rare, something called hematoma chronosis, uh, I think I pronounced it right, where he, his body can't get rid of the iron in his body. And he never went to the doctor and he looked healthy, but he died of a stroke um, mm -hmm. from that. It, essentially, it builds up iron in your body. So um, anyways, I've been checked. I only have one of those genes, so I, I'm okay. But um, unfortunately, my older brother, Brad, had it too and he passed away three years ago from the same damn thing but okay yeah sad so my dad uh 
for the longest time, my mom would say, you know, you remind me so much of your dad. And I would get so pissed because all I remember was the bad side of him, right? But she said, no, no, I mean, he could make friends with anybody. And he was, he really was a good businessman. And, and he, um, you know, he's really smart and loved to study. And so uh, over the years, I began to, to think about some of the more positive as aspects of my dad. And, and I, I do, did miss out on a lot of what my brothers got from him, which he, he was really good at, at a lot of things. And he taught them a lot of things that so I was fortunate to have some mentors in my life, but I lost him at, at an age which was unfortunate. You know, I was only 14. Um, you, you talked about my friend, Nate, but before Nate, uh, if we want to go in chronological order. So we had, I had some, some things happen, you know, um, that really reminded me I, my life must be on purpose. So almost died in a motorcycle accident, uh, New Year's Eve. I, I, like a fool, got on the back of my, friend's uh, motorcycle. We we're supposed to go see our girlfriends and he tells me we've got time to kill. That led to a very high speed run on his motorcycle, 165 miles an hour. We ended up running out of road and the only thing that actually saved us is we ran into the back of a car going down a dirt road. It's not really a dirt road. It was a really hard clay kind of road, narrow road with trees on both sides. Thank God we didn't hit the trees at that speed and we'd have been ripped apart. We ran into the back of this car sliding and they were going, they said they were going 55. So we hit a car sliding on the ground that was going 55. So we didn't come to a complete stop right away. And that's probably what saved us. Um, so that was scary as fuck because I realized, damn, I just saw my life and and I wasn't even hurt besides my knuckles and my elbows. Uh, I wasn't, I had a helmet on, thank God, because that left blue marks all down this road we went and saw it the next day, but I survived. And, and I realized how, what a gift that was at the time. Um, I was pretty spiritual still. I'm more spiritual now, uh, but I was spiritual and I was really paying attention to what, how things possibly work in the world and the universe. Uh, jump forward to my best friend at the time, or one of my best friends, Rodney Green, and I decide we're gonna get scuba certified. And- uh, Oh yeah, so all right. We live in Florida, there's lakes and there's rivers and there's uh, ocean all around. So we wanna do this and we decide to do this. And uh, the only place that we can practice with this company is in a pool. So we got certified in a pool and uh, Rodney and I, um, both good swimmers, um, both in pretty good shape at the time, decide we're going to go to these springs. They're called Blue Springs here in Florida. And it's 110 feet deep, I think. And it's it's narrow. It's only about 40 feet across, then it goes straight down. And uh, But it was a super sunny day, and we went down together, and we got down about 75 feet or so. And um, the water is really rushing up from this. And uh, so I decided to take off my fins and jump out across it and I could do flips and go up to the, a higher ledge. And uh, Rodney didn't think it was as fun as I did. So I kept doing this and I'm swimming around. And what happens when you're diving at a low, at a deeper level is you get something called, it starts to kick in called nitrogen narcosis where you kind of almost have a little bit of a drunk feel almost, you know? Okay. Um, but uh, so anyways, I'm doing this and then I'm having fun. I'm hanging upside down 
uh, I know the story is long, but I'm hanging upside down from this ledge and I'm watching my bubbles blow all the way to the surface because it's super sunny and I'm at like 65 feet and the bubbles, they blow, they get bigger and bigger as they get to the surface. And uh, I noticed um, on a breath that my regulator is giving me a little bit of a hard time. I'm thinking it's because I'm upside down. So I blow out um, and I'm flipping myself back up and I go to take a breath and if you put your lips together completely and try to suck through your lips, you can't get anything through. And that's what it's out. Now breathe out all the way. Pierce your lips. Now try to pull. That's, that's what I, that's <laughs> what I experienced at 65 feet. I'm struggling to get to my regulator, to my, to my um, gauges to see, and I get them up and I look and oh my God, I'm freaking out of air. And I'm total novice at this time at diving. And I look around, I have no air in my lungs. And 65 feet is a long ways to the surface. And I look around, I see Rodney, he's about 10 feet above me. So I swim to him and I give him this sign where you take your hand across your neck and it's a universal sign that I am out of air and his eyes just bulge. We, we just learned this stuff. The other thing you're not supposed to do is share a regulator because, you know, so we're trying to get his octopus regulator. We can't get it and I need some air. So he hands me his regulator. I take a breath. He takes a breath. We start heading up and we stay together. Hmm. Sorry. Makes me emotional. Oh, shit. All right. <clears throat> What's my phone number backwards? 18. Okay. I learned this technique to get out of my emotional side. <clears throat> All right. I'm back. We get to the surface and I'm okay. And um, again, I'm like saved from death, you know, and I, I think to myself, either God's trying to take me out or, or I am invincible or not invincible, but I have something bigger to do apparently. And um so we escaped from that and all i can say is god i would never wish that upon anyone that's a long ways from the surface i didn't know if i was going to make it i had no i had no reference point for that and it, it literally was the most scary time to stay completely focused um so you could continue to live and that's what happened <sighs> fast forward um I was with my very best friend, Nate, that you talked about, and we were coming back from the mall in his car, and we had two other people in the car. I'm usually up front with him, and uh, I wasn't. I was in the back seat, and we were in a hurry to get back, and uh, he decides it's a windy day. It's storming. It hadn't started to rain, but the wind was blowing, often does here in Florida when we get storms, and he decides he's going to pass these cars to get going and realizes we've got about 10 cars to pass, and there's a semi coming at us. He's in a pretty fast car and we take off and we're going and we're going and we're going and we're passing these cars and we're looking at this semi coming at us. And at the last second, we're able to get over. But just as Nate pulls the wheel over to the right to get into our lane, that semi goes by. But the combination of that, we're going about 95 miles an hour. It turned the car into a spin. So we immediately do this helicopter spin across oncoming traffic, nearly miss other head-on, cars head-on, and I see this tree coming. 
and I don't know if anybody's ever been through this, but it, time seems to slow down in these moments, and I'm watching it, and I'm just praying we won't hit it, we won't hit it. Okay, we are going to hit this thing. And this tree got so big, there was no way to miss it. You know what I mean? It's because your senses are heightened. Thank God, we hit it. We totaled the car, but we didn't hit it precisely in the middle of the side of this car. We hit it slightly towards the back of the car. So we spun off of it, totaled the car. I blasted out the back window. I was holding onto the front seat belt with my hand and my girlfriend at the time's dad apparently was in the car behind us. So he witnessed this. He said he saw this guy come out the back and then pull himself back in. And uh, so I took out the back window with my back and cut my back up. And uh, I was actually the only one that ended up going to the hospital. I have no idea how that happened because the car was just sitting there smoking. You know, it was done, right? Wrapped on this tree. But we hit it slightly off and we didn't completely t-bone it perfectly and um, again I walked away from it I spent the night in um, the hospital I just had I just had um, stitches and uh, I was like holy shit man um, I can't believe I walked away from this one too uh, so if you want more a sad story <laughs> Nate and I <laughs> you've had a lot of near death and a lot of death and a lot of loss loss of businesses loss yeah. of people's lives, near loss of your own on m multiple occasions. Yeah. Your brother, the loss of your brother. And that's the thing I said to you when we were pre-gaming, when we first got on, I'm like, wow, your story is filled with a lot of loss. We all have different stories. Um, yeah. You've mentioned though, a couple things through this. You mentioned that your mom had you listen to tapes, and I remember mm -hmm. a track, so it didn't age you that much. But you, <laughs> you know, she listened to tapes, Thank you. so <laughs> um, you know, like those seeds were being planted because there's always yeah. a silver lining, there are always tools. And I know that you know, with your brother passing three years ago, and Nate, your best friend, um, committing suicide mm -hmm. at that point. What was keeping you going? Hmm. Well, different stages, you know, after Nate passed away from suicide, I was the first one on the scene. He called me right before he did it um, because his son, his six-year-old son, Connor, was in the house. And that was the, you know, that was something that, it's just no words for that. Yeah. Uh, what kept me going after that was that, you know, his son and his daughter and, uh, you know, I bought him a motorcycle and, and I introduced him to my nephew and my older brother and we started riding dirt bikes together. That fueled a sense of purpose. Uh, my kids were very young as well. Um, I've I, been through so many things. I was so mad at Nate for doing this because it was just a bad decision. It was, it was based on, you know, that's how this a lot of times happens, you know, a weak moment. And if I could have just talked him out of it, you know, if I just would have known I could have somehow got him through. Um, that's, you know, that's part of my old story too, is just wishing I could have done more in some of these situations. But um, my faith, my faith in God, um, wanting to, um, my, my kids to have a better life than I did, um, uh, to have a chance in this world, knowing, um, at least believing at the time that this, this, this world is magical and that there's a lot of opportunity out there. I really wanted some of that. And um, I was experiencing it. I was experiencing, you know, having children and 
and um, I was also experiencing a lot of grief. Um, so I don't know, my faith, I guess, um, it kept me going. Um, when my brother passed away, that was, um, that was really a turning point in my life. You know, I didn't see that happening. And uh, for a moment, I thought, wow, my dad died at, at 54. My brother died at 55. Gosh, I'm going to be 50 soon, you know. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not that I had a target on my back, but man, I kind of felt like I did. You know, all these things had happened. How could this be like my actual future? How did I survive all these things? Why? Because I always thought that God was putting me through these things to teach me or get me prepared to where I was going to go. And now, you know, I know that because mm -hmm. as the CEO and co-founder of Conscious Content, I have a lot of responsibility. And I'm the one that's telling the world we're bringing awareness and education to most community. That's a lot, right? Plus the yeah. team and everything else. So I, you know, I, it was a sad, sad time when my brother passed away and my dog, my boxer, my best friend, Max passed away just afterwards. And, and, and Kim has come to teach me that our animals, they hold a lot of space for us. And, and I think he held so much space for me going through all these things that he just couldn't, if I could have changed anything, I would have kept him out of that because I love that boy. Um, I don't know what keeps us going. Um, I know that each day is a brand new day. I always say that, you know, life, our life is just like nature. There's seasons. Mm -hmm. You know, um, here in Florida, we don't have as many as they do up north, but, you know, there's always a spring, you know, and, and there's, you know, coldest, darkest winters, you know, there's always that spring and it's a new opportunity, a new chance. So um, I don't know. I just convinced myself of it. I read a lot of books. Um, I've, you know, I, I don't have a ton of really close friends. I have a lot. I have a lot of friends. Um, I have a lot of older friends that I've had forever but not a lot that I resonate to at this moment, which I guess is okay. exactly where it should be. Because not everyone, you know, I changed careers multiple times with my businesses and mm -hmm. I, um, and now I'm in media and, uh, you know, none of my older friends are really into that. I think they're, they're excited that I'm doing this, but we don't hang out on a regular basis anymore. Mm -hmm. I play golf with them sometimes and that type of stuff. But, um, Maybe meeting Kim, um, you know, that she came into my life not long after my brother passed away and she was a source of, she was a good ear and, uh, and also because of her past experience as a therapist, yeah. uh, energy work and various things, she, she would not only listen, but offer uh, a lot of uh, friendly advice and guidance and, um, and, and she believed in, in, uh, in, you know, me and my vision and, uh, as a matter of fact, this is something no one knows about, but before, way before Conscious Content, I owned a company called um, Electus, which is a financial advisory company. Okay. And um, she started to help me with some of my seminars, right? She really, okay. uh, I needed some help with that. So she was pretty good with the organizing. She did this, that, and the other. She came down one time and came to a couple of them and worked it with one of my uh, co coworkers. And um, she really liked it and uh, it was kind of fun. And she actually wrote a check and she called it buying in. And she wrote me a check for, I don't know, I think it was like $5,000. And I didn't necessarily need it, but I kind of needed it because I used the money to, I just went through the divorce and I kind of 
through my divorce, the one thing I didn't want is to take the assets and all that. I always believed that I could get out there and make money. So I didn't really leave with much. I kind of, sometimes kid I left with uh, a spatula. Um, <laughs> but I ended up with my two daughters too. Although, you know, I, my daughters are getting closer to their mom again. And, and I've been a... Mm -hmm. I've been a big proponent of that, that they have a relationship with her and, uh, and that we have a, um, as good of a relationship as possible. But, uh, and now, you know, so what got me through is probably hope um, and, you know, baby, you know, baby wins. I call them little base hits. You know, you set a little goal and uh, they don't have to be that big and you just get a base hit, right? And uh, you try it again and get some more. And uh, what keeps me going now is that, I mean, even with what just recently happened to us, it's like, God, what more can life hand us, you know? Uh, well, maybe a, maybe a, a, a quarantine for the world, who knows? We have to learn how to pivot. Uh, so anyways, I, I feel think like with you, the seeds were planted along the way and you had gained things. And when you lost them, you knew it was possible to gain them again. Am I off base mm. in saying that? Hell no. I that feel like it's your nature. So right. And when you came out of those accidents, you're like, wait, there's a bigger purpose here. I don't know what it is or what to do. But you use these things as like reminders, it seems like. I think, Jen, you're, you're so right. Thank you for bringing that up because this is one thing I know. It's like for people that maybe haven't had success that are, are scared to go out on a limb and try their own business or try something because they maybe haven't done that before. They don't know what success looks like. I can tell you because I've, I've achieved success younger, you know, I started my own business. I was very fortunate uh, to, to learn, you know, how to do this. And I made a lot of money and I, I, you get over that hump. And when you lose it all, which I did twice, I already had done the things that it required to get there. So it wasn't like fictional, like impossible. Like a lot of people, I think if you haven't done it, it's unknown. So it's very scary. Once you've done it, you just have to kind of retrace your steps. And, and although my business has been in different areas in different industries it's really about doing it's really in your head you know you have to believe that you can you know the old, old saying believe to achieve but you have to believe in it and um so i'm kind of a visionary uh so i i think big picture i'm not a nuts and bolts kind of person so i could envision the life and uh i think because i'd experienced success even though i'd lost it multiple times I knew it was possible, and I think mm -hmm. that is the key. If you if you know it's possible, then you can figure your way back, and that's half the battles. Believing that you can. So, if I were to tell anyone out there that that wants to be an entrepreneur or wants to do something, um, don't be afraid because life is short. It can be short, but and it, and it can be very difficult, but it also can be extremely beautiful and purposeful. And there's no reason why someone else can't have as much success as I had. I would just hope that they don't have as many setbacks as that I had, you know, and I definitely hope my, my children don't have any of these setbacks in their life. But, you know, what, God never gives us something that we can't handle. Mm -hmm. so, well, faith is a big thing. And I understand that. Um, now you, and you 
you had married your high school sweetheart. And when you divorced after 17 years, yeah. I know you met Kim around that time, but you have from your, your upbringing and your dad being tough and then his death at 14 all the way through. Can we just talk for a minute about healing later in life? Because we don't always build, I mean, you had a lot of tools that you used throughout that time, but then you did get to a certain point where it was like, oh, the, I haven't gotten through all this like I thought I've gotten through it. Because through Conscious Contact, you guys have met a lot of really incredible people. And I saw a previewing of Light in the Darkness, and it is phenomenal. This isn't just a little media company or a little film. So <clears throat> I don't want to minimize that in any way. Um, well, thank you. But I, and I also know, and you've mentioned a couple times that, you know, you and Kim lost Kim's son a few weeks mm -hmm. ago from when this is recorded. So how much of that healing, because there are people out there who are like, well, I've been through all of that and I have those tools and tips, but I need more. You did a lot of that later in life. Can you talk about that? Yeah. So I was, I, I would tell people that I was a compartmentalizer. So when these okay. things would happen to me, <clears throat> I would put them in a little box and I would put them away inside me. And then that the next day I could get back to work and I could get back to doing what I was doing because I, I don't know if it was the way I was brought up, but I never wanted to really um, burden other people with my problems. I also learned uh, a hard lesson when, when in 2001, when the market crashed mm -hmm. and um, I lost North Star Equity Partners. Um, you know, I didn't really have anyone to turn to. Um, even my friends that I'd grown up with, when I went to them and said, oh my God, I'm losing, like, I mean, I'm having to close my business, this, that, and the other. I would hear, you know, I wish I had your problems, Brian. I wish I did. Because yeah. I had the, I had seemingly had it all going on, you know, I had a, a car and a house and all these things, but I, I didn't come from very much, you know, and I'd worked for, ever since I was like 10, you know, so mm -hmm. I just always was working. But I, I started to realize, wow, people don't really want to hear my problems. So I guess I'm going to stick, keep them to myself. And that was not a, that was incorrect. There are certain people and there's certain ways to, to ask for help. But talking to others is, can be very helpful. Talking to a therapist, if they're the correct therapist for you and not right. every therapist is perfect for everyone, has been phenomenal for me. But I compartmentalized everything through my life. And we didn't get through all my stories. And it would be a whole nother show to get through them all. But I kept putting them away and pretending they didn't exist. And uh, after my brother passed away, I started, I ran out of places to put them. Yeah. And uh, I started to get what they call triggers that people with PTSD have. And uh, I met Kim and she started to explain what this was and that you can't just put these things away. You have, they, they can settle into our body. Our body has memory. And, yeah. uh, you know, people, you can get colon cancer from this. You can get liver disease from these things. And not everyone understands it or even believes that, but it's, it really actually, in my opinion, is factual. So I had to learn that I had to trust people and open up and talk about these things. And I, I was fortunate enough um, that our fir very first film had several incredibly um, uh, competent experts on yeah. trauma, dealing with trauma, PTSD, and these types of things. And I, I began this process of talking to them. And then, you know, I sort of test drive some of these people to vet them out. And uh, so I've been very blessed um, in my later years, just over the last two or three years, to 
to really work through a lot of these things and start to understand them and uh, learn from them and let them go. Um, because our memories are, they don't, they're not real, but until we kind of deal with them and let them go, they keep coming up and they keep being part of your story. And then you're playing life with all this baggage rather than living in the moment, free of all that, where every, all the magic happens. And I used to preach that to myself when I was a teenager and into my twenties. And I was unstoppable knowing that in that moment, everything can happen. But shit, life comes along. By the time I was 40, I was pulling a bag of this shit with me. And <laughs> it was hard to work th through it all. You know, it's like, I didn't even know what to do. And uh, little by little, I'm getting through it. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, next in a couple of weeks, I'm going to Wisconsin if, uh, if I'm allowed to get on a plane. And I'm going to uh, spend a week with uh, our newest contributor to mm -hmm. conscious content, which is Dr. Carrie Edelman. And uh, we're going to do some uh, resonant therapy and sound therapy, and she's going to get me on a new diet. Uh, she's a vegan. I don't know if I can be a vegan, but I can, <laughs> I can try. I'm a, I, I don't know I'm about a, that either. I'm a keto kind of guy. And, uh -huh. uh, but, you know, I could probably lose 10 pounds right now being cooped up in the house for this long. Uh, with all these kids, my daughter bakes all the time and Kim has a sweet tooth. So I've probably put on about eight or 10 pounds. So anyways, it's a constant journey um, of, of, of working through these things, but I, I can already feel that there's light at the end of the tunnel and not to make uh, a pun or whatever with our film Light in the Darkness, but there really is. There's, there can be light uh, in your darkness and and I've been through a lot of darkness so I definitely can see the light and I'm just uh, you know it does never stops the, the the tough times so you just got to know that life is a journey and you just I gotta, love that yeah one step at a time I I agree wholeheartedly so with conscious content and the community what is the best way for people to engage with you who do you are you looking for anyone on your team? Where are you at? I know you have releases okay. and you have, you have a lot of things. Let's end on how people can find you and what they can do and what you need. Okay. Well, what we really want is everyone to come to our website. That is our hub um, because we, you know, we're a media company. So we, of course we're creating films and now we're in the process of writing a book and we'll have a second one coming on uh, more about grief later. Um, but consciouscontent.org is the main hub where you can find us and from there you'll find all our social media so we have a youtube page and we have an instagram page and we're even starting a pinterest page thanks to you so yeah um, <laughs> we have a twitter page i don't know all the handles um, yeah. <laughs> all of them because actually we're working with a um you know a, a social media company that's handling a lot of that stuff for us and yeah. we're having a we're having a brand new website created right now with a whole new look. Our website is is very robust now, and you can go to it now, and we're really proud of it. Uh, Kim had a big part of, of that. Uh, it was a collaboration of all of our guys, but she really has pulled it together and did a great job. But we're getting a facelift, so probably two weeks out, we'll have a whole new look. Um, but we're going to be starting an academy, too, um, on that page. But it's a great place to go to get free information about everything from mental wellness to PTSD to just being, knowing that we're creating a community. It's a place where like-minded people can come 
and uh, Kim and I are always posting um, on there now. We have a Facebook page uh, at Conscious Content. Um, so we're pretty easy to find. Uh, you're going to see a lot more of us because everybody's starting to push the button and, and put out our stuff. And we're very, we feel really blessed about that. We feel blessed to be part of your team and you're on our team too. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, we're excited about it. So. Ryan, thank you so much for being on and sharing your story. It was a ride. That's for thank sure. Thank you, Jen. Yeah, it is. It has been a ride. I'm just trying to stay positive. <laughs>